Les liaisons dangereuses in 5 by 5. I'm Katrina Seth. I'm the Marshall Foch Professor of French Literature at the University of Oxford. And with me today to talk about La Clos in the 21st century are Philippa Stockley, the author, and Marc Olivier from Brigham Young University. So Philippa and Marc... Both of you have done rather extraordinary things with Les Liaisons Dangereuses, Philippa by writing a rather amazing sequel about which you might tell us a little. And Marc-Olivier, you have transformed Les Liaisons Dangereuses with your students by imagining a tweet version. So my first question to both of you will be one and the same. What was your first encounter with Les Liaisons Dangereuses? Why did you find this book so fascinating? Maybe, Philippa, we could start with you. Well, if I remember, I think I first read it in the library. It was one of those accidental things and adored it. You know, it was funny. It was clearly naughty. And then I read the introduction that said it was immoral. All words which grist to my mill. But then, by pure chance, I also shared a flat with a woman who was in the Broadway production. She was the understudy of Lindsay Duncan, and she played Madame Falange, the older woman. And uh, then Alan Rickman sometimes dropped in, although I was never allowed to meet him. And all this piqued my interest. So I started thinking, I was sure there would have been a sequel and it never got written and I would have liked to write it. And what about you, Marc? Well, I'd like to say that French literature drew me to Les Liaisons Dangereuses, but the fact is it was Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, <laughs> I was an undergrad student and when Stephen Freer's film adaptation came out, and um, I had to see it, of course, and I thought Michelle Pfeiffer was beautiful. But I was really mesmerized by Glenn Close's character. And later I saw a couple more adaptations. Um, I think the um, Roger Vadim uh, version in 1959. I saw Valmont when it came out. And so I guess I'd seen about three film adaptations before I finally decided to read the book. And once I did, I absolutely fell in love with the prose. And uh, I guess you could say, which I subsequently set about to destroy in my tweet version. <laughs> Well, maybe you just invented a new way to draw people into Les Liaisons Dangereuses. And so, well, that would be nice. And yes. so both of you have, in a sense, invented your own take on Les Liaisons Dangereuses. Philippa, you recount some of the episodes, which we suddenly begin to understand slightly differently. For instance, creating Valmont's brother. And Marc, you sort of pare things down to the essential. Could you tell us a bit more about how you went about taking this initial text, 18th century French text, and turning it into something which is fascinating for modern readers? I actually did a lot of research. I did a year's research reading everything I could that was contemporary. Richardson, of course, and Defoe, Mole Flanders particularly intrigued me, you know, the bad girls of the 18th century because it's such a terrible time for women. Uh, also, I read a lot about prostitution. Um, so I have a scene where prostitutes Uh, can walk one or the other side of Drury Lane Theatre and they're actually in different jurisdictions. So I did lo loads and loads and loads and loads and then I locked it in a drawer and forgot about it and started writing, trying to write something, you know, that would have the same sort of spirit, that same naughtiness, that terrible, terrible naughtiness and, and fun of the original. And I like your idea of naughtiness and fun because that, I think, Mark, is what comes across in the tweet version. Oh, great. Well, the, uh, the tweet version was... Uh, conceived of as a replacement for uh, reading comprehension activities. I, nobody likes reading quizzes. Professors hate them. Students hate them. So when I was going to teach the novel in a class, I just decided why not instead assess their understanding of each letter by forcing them to condense it to the 140-character Twitter limit. 
And so that's how that came about. And I think it fits with the goal of the book, really. It's sort of an homage because Valmont loves La Présidente de Tourvelle and he ruins her. And I love La Colo's uh, beautiful prose. And I asked the students to do something that I think a purist anyway would find horrifying, um, condense it into tweet form. Well, certainly as someone who's read the tweet version, it's incredibly funny. Now, possibly both of you can tell me a little bit more about the reception. So how have people reacted? Do you, Marc, have any feedback? What did the students say? I had a student who did an unofficial study of it. She set up a survey and what she found was that they felt that their comprehension of the text dramatically increased because, of course, you have to really understand the letter in order to condense it and still retain the essential facts. The students felt that they improved their ability to express themselves concisely. They felt that it was challenging to synthesize a letter into that few characters. But also the historical adaptation made them better appreciate the differences, both uh, historical, cultural, and technological. Because, of course, students don't generally write letters. I don't really (laughs) either. So that also was a foreign concept. And what interests me, if we compare this with Philippa's version, is that Philippa is writing something which is a sort of very naughty pastiche of 18th century prose, but with nods sometimes to um, the future. And so we have two different ways of looking at this text. And in both cases, we have something which is at once very new and extraordinarily evocative if you read the original. Philippa, do we know something about the reception of your text? It initially came out under the title of Factory of Cunning, and you're about to launch a new and exciting version. Perhaps you can tell us about that. When the book came out, um, my publisher, who was a little aghast, said, what are all the capital letters for? And then a reviewer said, this is a filthy book in print, which did it no end of good. And um, somebody else said it was absolutely mucky. And I, I was delighted because I didn't think it was that sort of grubby, but bits of it, I suppose, are, which is very much in the, in the spirit of the original, which is naughtily dirty. But now, um, in, in fact, it's just come out. We changed the title to something close to the original, which is Murderous Liaison, and it's out in ebook, which is modern. So it's they're all joining up together now. So we'll have two electronic versions <laughs> to read, the tweet version and Murderous Liaison. Yes. That's another uh, thing that was nice is that instead of reading quizzes, which uh, just sort of disappear, we developed a product and we've had people download it uh, hundreds of times from 18 different countries. And all of the students' names uh, are, are on that. We just have it as a free iBook. So it's nice to have something to show for their work. So thank you to Philippe Stockley and Marc Olivier for taking us through Les Liaisons Dangereuses in the 21st century. <laughs>